0: You're louder than me on the podcast. You drowned me out. That's only because uh, I was actually going through the microphone Are settings. Are we on right now? Are mm-hmm. we live?
1: hmm I was going through
0: the microphone settings a couple weeks ago, and you're right. I actually did have your microphone.
1: You had my mic my- turned down, didn't you, this whole time? <laughs> Holesclaw never tried this stunt. Yeah. I just want a little more attention. Hey, maybe you have some mom issues.
0: Oh, I'm sure I do. Did
1: your mom give you a lot of attention? Yeah,
0: she's a great mom.
1: She stills, uh, she stills a great mom. Yeah, you have you have outstanding parents. I can personally attest. I do. I'm pretty lucky.
0: What were you doing this Sunday? Were you preaching?
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, uh, wait, wait. Is this still in the banter stage of the podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I do love. Good music. Uh, this weekend, um, this is going to blow your mind, but I was sick this weekend.
0: Oh, wow. You never get sick.
1: I had uh, a bad cold, a sore throat. Can you hear a little bit of the gruffle still yeah, in my throat? Yeah, yeah. you got some, got some rocks in the back of your throat. I don't know if they're rocks, ladies and gentlemen. They might be rocks in my head, but not in my throat. But we need to get... To the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, Theology on Mission podcast, and uh, I have the topic for today. Are you ready, Mike? I'm ready for it? All right, listen to this. I love the way you're dimming the music just at the right time. It just takes a lot. of I love that? Nailed it. Oh. <laughs> All right. Here's my proposed topic for today. In one sentence, Reformed soteriology. Be careful is inherently passive-aggressive in its modern individualistic expression. And let me change it now. The first first sentence I said was reformed soteriology, and I made an overture to modern individualist expression. Mm -hmm. Really what that is is evangelical soteriology, which is mostly reformed soteriology stripped of some of its... Uh, Historical roots. Historical, broader theological underpinnings from medieval Geneva. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm
0: residing (coughs) with the Christian Reformed Church. That's why I said be careful.
1: So again, evangelical soteriology, mostly Reformed soteriology, Mm -hmm. is inherently passive-aggressive. And I believe, by the way, this, this has a lot. This explains a lot of what goes on in the whole uh, debates. Anytime there's a moral issue at stake between the progressives and, say, the neo reform group, mm-hmm. this explains a lot. I think I've come up with an answer to a lot of our problems today <laughs> in, in modern eva- uh, evangelical reverb theology or reactions to the evangelical church. So here it problem. goes. Here's Here's how I want to say it. We are always bouncing between extremes in the evangelical soteriological world. We see uh, sanctification happening primarily through, and this is kind of Luther, but it's also Calvin, the arrival at guilt, the failure to live up to God's laws or God's justice and we then go to a place of grace okay. by faith alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are forgiven now and loved. You are relieved from guilt. Problem solved. But then the problem is now, what do we do? Where do we go from here? Well, we go back into trying to live up to some justice standard, Mm -hmm. some law, some achievement, and we soon fail all over again. Right. And what we get is this uh, rebound, this bouncing back and forth between extremes. It's either, oh, I am the worst person in the world. Mm -hmm. I deserve the justice of God. I deserve just uh, a punishment. I'm guilty. Ah, grace. But nothing ever happens in terms of the uh, shaping of our our soul, our our being, our character. So it just becomes an
0: exchange, like a really quick exchange.
1: Excuse
0: me. Okay. I cough button. Got...
1: Cough buttons to your lips. Oh, yeah, this was la- wasn't it the last podcast when it you was. had yeah. need yeah. for the cough button. Mm-hmm. We actually don't have a cough button, ladies and gentlemen. You just gave away the secret. My cough button is sliding as far away from the mic as possible. Let's give it a try. Uh. Yeah, effective. How'd that go? <laughs> Great.
0: So I feel guilty. I'm a worm. I'm totally depraved. And then I can turn to Jesus and receive his grace and his salvation. What's the what, what's the matter with that?
1: Um. Well... Uh, okay. The problem is, is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm actually checking this out with you. I'm glad to be in a conversation with somebody about this. Mm-hmm. But what I see in the younger, I can't really call them evangelicals, younger ex-evangelicals, okay. younger people seeking to follow Christ in mm-hmm. the aftermath of the failure of evangelicalism, right. is they are either progressives... Where it's all grace, love. Mm-hmm, sure. Love yep. people well. Give them grace. God's grace is sufficient. Um, they are loved. Right. But there's nothing or there's little in the in the in the area of moral direction. Yes. Hold on one second. Cough button. Okay. Excuse me,
0: folks. So so there's little in like in directing them how they're supposed to live. it's more just about stripping away all your outer layers and finding love
1: and god and getting back to your pure self and 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 experience god's love and live into your fullness okay. and all that um whereas the opposite side is what i would call i mean there are there are various versions of kind of like a fundamentalism or a legalism mm-hmm. or a guilt i mean i would say uh, white-knuckle Christianity still is alive and well. It's a good description. And say, like, James McDonald's mm-hmm. sermons. Mm-hmm. Often our sermons are, we are going to teach you what the Bible says, so that you know you'll take away three points and a nugget that you can do yeah. to be a better Christian. I believe that's a source of a new works, righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so that almost teeters on the that the, the the teeter-totter, what do you call that thing? Teeter-totter. Teeter-totter. totter Now goes to the other extreme, right? where we go and listen to an expository, the expository in the sense of, I'm gonna tell you three things. Verse by verse. Verse by verse, and you're gonna come out... With one good tip on how to improve and live a better Christian and life, and you go out there and you apply it to your life, yeah. And and there's a certain authoritarianness, a, a certain tone of authoritarian. Fundamentalism in this, Hmm. would you say? I don't want to point any fingers, but would you say this often is what neo reformed kind of Mark Driscoll esque kind of Christianity turns into the other side of the post ex evangelical machine? Yeah, I I don't, I just don't run in those circles as as much. Well, I don't think either
0: of us run in those circles very often, but what I've seen because we rejected both of them, by the way. Yes, yes. What I've seen from a distance, uh, what you're describing is accurate. Absolutely, and would
1: you say that there are there are you know quite a few progressives? Oh yeah, who are so turned off by the a- other side of this um, bouncing back and mm-hmm. forth, the guilt, the legalism? You better do this. You better do mm-hmm. this. You you know, think of all the things typical progressives are reacting against. Any kind of of directive on sexuality, sure. like the purity. Now, now this is what happens when you. Uh, the purity movement was uh, yeah. kind of uh, enforced. That's a great example. Yeah, a, we're going to enforce a this totter. sexuality on you. Right. Yeah. by the whole, Now, Now Calvin had a third use of the law. Calvin also had a place for the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and the work of the Holy Spirit. The third use was not an enforced legalism, according to Calvin. It was like a directive, a guidance yeah. that the Holy Spirit could spur us and give us power and strength right. to pursue
0: and you don't think that's being opened up in, I, in, in on either side of, these, of this
1: teeter-totter? There's no opening up of space for the Spirit? Because there's still what Wash used to call the command obedience metaphor going on mm-hmm. there. I don't—I think—and this happened in my own denomination. Uh, oh, I'm going to depend on the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me to do what's right in the Bible.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. That— and so whether you like it or not, and this happened in the Nazarenes as well, not right. just the Christian mystery alliance, it became a source of legalism, holiness legalism. Hmm. So here we are stuck between the two. The passive, aggressive, back and forth bouncing between the excess legalism that comes out of 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 this kind of what Howard was called the command obedience metaphor and the grace it's all grace yeah and we and we and i, I think this is not going to get us too far it's going to reveal the lack on either Yeah, side. i think they're both already being revealed for their lack do you have any experiences in your own Ooh, like you man. were at loyola in a yeah, church uh, yeah. in a in a university based church yeah very did progressive you ha- so, did you have did you have Give us some examples of this struggle in your own work there. Yeah,
0: sure. I think um, what we would see with a lot of students at Loyola is um, a lot of students coming out of the evangelical um, baggage background, and they would normally find some kind of language around self-worth. Have you seen this? Like like language around self-worth. It starts
1: there. Um, uh, which comes by, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that include grace, yeah, love, right. affirmation right, of who w- you are? W-
0: which all those things I think are necessary. Um, but I, I think they're reacting from a culture where they hear that they're totally depraved or they hear that they're a worm, and then they go back to Genesis 1, and they're like, oh, I'm created in the image of God, which this is true, right? They are created in the image of God.
1: Um, so they and, have a, and all things created are good yes, and beautiful. And
0: they have a strong sense of like the goodness of how they're created, but then it's not integrated with the sense of fallenness of systems and uh, morality in the world. So as they focus on like my self-worth, that's also when there would be a lot of emphasis on um, who I, who am I? What are my giftings? How did God create me? Then that would often lead into, like, let's talk about my Enneagram. Let's talk about my Myers-Briggs. Um, if I can just strip away the layers of everything in my life that's hurt me, other whether that be, like, the church – or my school, or my parents, if I can just peel away all these things and get back to my inner core of who I am, of me as a good, unadulterated
1: human, then I can be saved. Is that true? Because, uh, so by the way, we just want to say all these things are good. Uh, Yeah. Enneagram is good. Absolutely. Sure. And uh, going deep and unwinding the stuff that's happened negatively or in sin or antagonism or coercion or abuse and unwinding it and let it be forgiven and healed is good. Uh, But the idea of arriving at a root core of who I am, uh, apart from a narrative. And, and God working in and through people, I don't believe is possible. No. It's, it, it, I agree. It's impossible. So um, let me just try to summarize where I think we're at in the conversation and see if you can agree with my summary. Uh, it kind of goes like this. We in the post-Willow Creek—by the way, Willow Creek had the same soteriological issues. Right. Oh, my goodness, could we have a podcast on that? <laughs> I mean, so, uh, but it's basically an outworking of evangelicalism turned into populist individualism. But having said that, we're kind of stuck in this world between, and I know, I know I'm putting all you, please, folk. I feel like I'm gonna get uh, castigated for putting people into, into labels So I'm just generalizing for the purpose of us learning how to, you know, Mm -hmm. what's happening. But I feel like we are in desperate need of a post-evangelical soteriology. Give it to me. Uh, A a way that God works in and through our lives in a community to make us holy. Now, holy is a bad word because of of probably the the problems we just finished talking about. But, (coughs) sorry. uh, Cough button. Uh, (laughs) But I feel like um, we need a post-evangelical soteriology that answers the questions. Mm-hmm. Is grace and love enough for the Christian life? No. Because? Because gr- grace and love evacuated of the Christian life and, and what God is doing to heal us and move us towards something mm-hmm. is yeah. really not grace. Yeah, so there needs it's one problem. moment in time. Yeah. Likewise, law, learning the Bible cognitively is not enough direction for the Christian life. Because? Because, and this is, I'm going to give Jamie K. Smith, your CRC guy, yeah. kudos. The, the human being is a homo liturgicus. Mm-hmm. We do not just learn from the head we're not one of those bobblehead creatures where it's all head and the head gets to tell the body what to do. The body has been shaped and formed into habits and and bad things and abuse and all this stuff that needs to be unwound in order toward a vision for the Christian life. Mm. So anyways, that's where we're at. We need a good evangelical or a post-evangelical soteriology.
0: Can you can you give me one in the next uh 5 minutes? That's all we got left. Mhm.
1: All right. Well, let's give it a shot. <laughs> so, I I in the beginning of in that first chapter of Auerbach's first book, Character in the Christian Life, which I read way back in the 90s in my in my uh, doctorate studies. Hold on, cough button. <coughs> <laughs> coffee sip button. so sorry folks i'm still getting over this cough but i'm well on the way to being 100 uh, but how Ross called this the the command obedience metaphor and he talked about the bouncing back and forth we come to our failure to live up to the law and then we go to grace and then we try again fail again and go back and bounce back and he called this the command obedience metaphor um His alternative was character, the character metaphor. All right, I'm going to do, I'm going to suggest maybe, I'm going to help my mentor, Hauras, out a little bit and just say, can we have a stair step instead of a back and forth boomerang or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. can we have a stair step metaphor where each time we meet a sin, a failure, a struggle, a pain, a brokenness. Mm -hmm. Anytime we have suffering, we see that God is at work in the suffering. We are called to own up to our, whatever is being revealed in our lives by listening to the Spirit and being present to God in Christ. And this always happens in a community. And this kind of moment can happen. I mean, it happens all the time. How many times? I kind of experienced a failure an hour ago when I was yelling and screaming in a meeting <laughs> with you and Jason yeah. over what I felt was the wrong way to start a program. Right, right. Okay, we don't want to go into those details right now. Right. But, um, you know, what, what might happen is you might say, Fitch, uh,
0: you kind of got worked up there.
1: What's going on? Why did you say that word? Naughty word or whatever. Okay, now I don't... Okay, I, I feel I'm, I'm on the verge of making a joke out of this whole thing, right, and right. I don't. Every suffering, every moment of, of brokenness becomes a moment of both self-revealing and a revealing that God is at work by his presence. Mm-hmm. And it becomes the opportunity to both repent, confess one to another, right. and be healed... So it's actually a social thing. Yeah. And then um, there might be some form of challenge or Hmm. invitation. Uh, Mike Breen always called it challenge invitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it might be, can you have faith to believe this? Or can you um, respond to the calling of God to decide... To do this in regard to that, can you humbly reconcile with somebody over this? And it's not like I'm not going to sin again, but God works in that thing. This is the continual message of the New Testament. God is always working in our suffering. Mm -hmm. He is always working. That's why for the Anabaptists, discipleship was the equivalent of the cross and suffering. Is... (coughs) Excuse me. Is... This is how God works. So each each time we grow a little bit mm-hmm. till the next time, and we grow, and it's and life is a series of steps and growth and progression over time. It's a so sanctification, in the words of the holiness movement, is a crisis, but it is also always pro- progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so uh, I think Dallas Willard has. Uh, an approach to this, I think he calls it VIM or something. Oh, yeah. uh, you get a vision, you have an intention, mm-hmm. and then you go to the means. Uh, but but it, to me, it's a little too individualistic. But that's over against sin management. Right. God wants us to change, grow, and be transformed. I believe, by the way, this whole understanding, command obedience metaphor over against the character character metaphor, I'll call it the presence metaphor. Mm-hmm. It's the Catholic sacramental approach, except the Catholics have kind of lost it in terms of seeing the sacraments more as kind of like this individual means of grace. Right. So, but, but sacrament is about the presence of God in Christ and the means by which we engage. So reconciliation or penance is a sacrament mm-hmm. uh, being with the poor, where we see ourselves and yeah. see someone and learn the presence of Christ in the midst of brokenness. All of that is how God changes us moment, uh, uh, sanctification moment by sanctification moment, so can you can you flesh this out for me? I'm mm-hmm. going from the metaphor of command and obedience to the metaphor of presence sacramental stair step approach I think to a big difference
0: I think a big difference between the two is the former is individualistic, and the latter is in Community Communic.
1: Reconciliation is a communal right. process.
0: Eucharist is communal, baptism. Like the sacraments we talk about are communal, and they yes. require like being in a relationship
1: with other people. And I, would, I, I argued in Faithful Presence that all the sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church are communal, but they sure. got brought in-house, and some right. of them became individualized. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very easy to take communion as... Wafer and cup Absolutely. under myself, yeah. and well, not talk yeah. to anybody or reconcile. And with
0: it's, it's easy to preach atonement where I just need you to talk to Jesus and be forgiven, and then go out there and do your thing in your workplace
1: and find you know find people and get them saved. So, uh, okay, you've helped me figure something out here. Uh, command obedience is primarily an individual bouncing back and forth passive yep. aggressive soteriology. Folks, if you can agree with me on that, say Amen. Okay.
0: Yeah, I heard them.
1: Uh, As opposed to that, I want to suggest that the sacramental social presence of Jesus is the means by which he disciples us in a stair step way where we are progressing. We don't, each step Mm -hmm. is a step forward in the uh, very character formation of who we are as human, as beings. And I think that happens, got to happen in a social context. Absolutely. And so that's what I'm pushing for. And I think, by the way, you know, a lot of our back and forth on, say, sexuality, Mm -hmm. oh, love, grace, acceptance, uh, baptizing of all things versus illegal, you need to be this, and if you're not this, you're going to hell, can be avoided if we become present to one another in what God wants to do in our sexuality. Sexuality, by the way, has to be one of the hardest to do this in because no one wants to talk to another person about their sexuality. Right. And that's why it's the key example. Yeah.
0: Yep. You have to be From, intimate and
1: honest. Are we out of time? We are out of time. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you got anywhere on this, but I did. And I want to argue that we can learn a lot. Uh, I would point you to Character mm-hmm. uh, in the Christian Life by yep. Stanley Hauerwas, that first chapter. It's a bit intense mm-hmm. theologically, but... I mean, I learned so much from reading that. You got another book, maybe? Well, you mentioned Willard. Do you have a favorite, Dallas Willard?
0: Divine Conspiracy. Divine Conspiracy. It's kind of the go-to, his magnus opus.
1: Let's open up the space for God to work in our salvation and sanctification, as opposed to doing this reverb between all grace or all law. And if I've characterized anybody falsely in this uh, podcast, I hereby repent, and I shall grow from it. It's a good word. All right. Anything else? That said, if you got anything else you want to, add? I know you're ready to do something else after this podcast. Yeah. you You're sound. You're appearing a little anxious to get sorry, off the I'm air. Sorry.
0: We're we're uh we're getting ready to do another podcast <laughs> that, That's why,
1: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Uh, sometimes we do two podcasts in a row. Yeah. Wow. That's yep. a that's a confession I hope you'll grow from. Uh,
0: (laughs) uh, Reggie Williams is coming to Northern in about five weeks. That's growing, so more
1: and more people signing Reggie Williams, a a, a key black theologian, coming from evangelical roots, Mm -hmm. uh, though he would not Be a self identified evangelical at all anymore, like most, like a lot of us. Yes. I'm hanging on for dear life. (laughs) Uh, But he'll be here on the topic of social incarnational embodiment. Uh, What the black church can teach the rest of the church about mission. That is June 6th to 7th. 6th and 7th. Thursday night and a Friday morning. We have a great breakfast where we have great conversation. I hope you'll turn out. You will not be disappointed. We're going to deal with a lot of issues that the church has got to figure out if we're going to go forward in mission. All right. Well, that ends our time together. Until next time, we don't have any Fitch versus Fitch. We don't have any Mm -hmm. books you're reading.
0: yeah, well, we we, do, we we have this book right here that I'm reading.
1: We're going to do a podcast on the book.
0: Uh, it's Chris Smith's book, uh, How the Body of Christ Talks. I love this book,
1: by the way. So we will see you until next time, and the next time will be a podcast by Chris Smith uh, on his new book. Yep. We look forward to hearing from you till next, and give us a give us a shout out. What do they yeah. do? They they do reviews. Yeah, on... give a review five stars. It has to be five stars. We no, lo- it we does take, not have to be five stars. five stars. Be <laughs> authentic, dude. Give us. I want somebody out there to give us a. Two two-star, because it'll fair. be good for our growth and our sanctification. Yeah. All right, until next time, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, it's over now for Theology on Mission podcast. This is Dave Fitch and Mike Moore Same so long. Thanks for
0: listening.